This next conversation is a panel discussion with Tom Dixon, Emily Ben, Eamon Kale, and Karen Kang. We talk about design across networks. When we asked the legendary designer Tom Dixon the open-ended question, what do you feel right now? He responded, wait for it. In the decaying commercial greenhouse, the rare orchids are blooming. My sculpture studio sits in the center. The welding kit and woodworking machines are put to use. Several boiler-suited assistants working on a series of chaotic totems. Tom's answer describes both natural and built environments and the implications of our increasingly digital world on physical space. And in this conversation, he explores the future of digital and its impact on craft and design. Alongside Karen Kang, who heads Partnerships for TikTok on the lifestyle and education team, they discuss the implications of social media platforms in a way which is nuanced by Karen's many years working in design, heading up IDS in Toronto. She actually flew in from Toronto for this conversation. Eamon Kale is an associate lecturer at Central St. Martins. He's worked with Bottega Veneta. He's currently working with LVMH on sustainability. And his interests really center on the future of sustainable design, as well as the tokenization of fashion in the virtual space. And finally, of course, Emily. Emily Ben is the moderator of this talk. She is a counselor of the City of London, and she is a journalist and policy thinker. We hope you enjoy this conversation. We're here to talk about design across networks. Um, and what I really, I want to really, and as the moderator, I have some say and power of this, talk about the democratization of design uh, and what, whether that concept really exists, what it means in practice when you're talking about collaboration, when you're talking about networks in this context. And, and as I said, can I, I'd like to start with Tom and I, I want to read um, a quote from one of his previous interviews and he's happy for me to, uh, well, I don't know I if happy is the right word, but... Happy, but, but is it allowing me to, I should say, happy maybe overdoing his emotion. It is a very frivolous field that we're working in, and we're not really changing the world. But design has the ability to be transformational. There's a lack of engagement with the real issues right now. We need to wake up and smell the coffee. I wonder if you could reflect on your own words there, Tom. Well, I, you know, I need to be very careful what I say in interviews because then I have to justify it, right? So I've, I've got, you know, that, that's a tough one to start on, particularly if you're talking about networks. But I mean, I think everybody um, feels the same feeling at the moment. I'm not unique in thinking that we're all fiddling whilst Rome burns, right? And um, the, the advantage of the network and, and technology is that um, things can happen so much faster than in, in my world, in a way. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm engaged in making... Um, things that people don't really need. Um, there's a lot of things that people really do need now, and uh, the, the power of the network is probably one of the ways that we can solve that um, that dilemma. And uh, and the power of the network. How are you seeing that in the new well, endeavours that you are undertaking now? You know, I, th I think the pandemic, um, you know, provided us with the whole whole series of of uh, what seemed like. Um, Un unbridgeable obstacles. We were suddenly closed. I have a restaurant. We're closed down. All the people that are producing food were were unable to to move it around. Brexit did the same thing as well. You know, you couldn't you couldn't shift shellfish from from Scotland to France, for instance. You know, we all know those stories. But um, the power of the network was was able to kind of create very quickly. Um, you know, a, a a consumer and a supplier and match them in a way, you know, so we set up a, 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 an outdoor restaurant because we couldn't have indoor restaurants anymore. Yeah. And that proved um, to be, you know, 
something that would have been impossible to do you know, 15 years ago in terms of moving that quickly, moving people, ideas, and getting uh, collaborators to, to set up a restaurant in days. You know. So it's happening. It, it changes. I, I think you, you can use the network. I mean, I think you know, my, my fear is the, the, the power of the networks to to then, you know, uh, modify your behavior. At the moment, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm here as a representative of the pre-digital age, right? And, and you know, so I can remember the, the, the difficulty you had in addressing, in addressing people beyond your immediate physical network, you know, it was stamps, you know? And, um, and, and, you know, if you invited people, they had to be within, you know, easy, easy traveling distance to come to the party for the launch of the thing, right? But now, um, now it's, it's, it's um, I think people have got so accustomed to, to every communication being free and being able to, to, to create an event or, a, um, or, or match, like I say, supply and demand very quickly that um, possibly we, we've um, become too, too lazy about it. Um, uh, uh, talking about who's in immediate distance, by the way, Karen has come all the way from Toronto to join us, so has, has made uh, a, a quite some uh, travel distance. And I'll, I'll come to you, uh, uh, Eamon, uh, in a sec, but just, just in the interest of, of Tom's... Um, of time. So when you're, you're exploring new different ways of, of working in different forms and when you're thinking about who you're collaborating with and why, what are the, 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 the thought processes, the measures of success, what is it that goes through your mind when you're, you're, you know, you're thinking about these things? Um, I mean, that's, that would be a long... I mean, I'm more interested in, in asking Karen about you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the bits that I don't know. I mean, what, what's interesting to me about the networks right now is you know, how suddenly everybody... Um, has said you've got to forget Instagram, you've got to get on TikTok, right? So you know the the, the network rules in that in that situation. I've, built, I've spent so much time and energy building up beautiful imagery for and, and getting quite far for a furniture company and, and getting quite a few followers. And suddenly I have to do moving image the whole time. And then moving image isn't good enough. I have to go on TikTok, right? So how do I start from zero again and create my new? Well, are you on TikTok? Good question from Sahar. Uh, we've got a TikTok account. We don't know how to use it. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I you have someone that. Might know. Uh, I've invited her over. You've invited her over. Well, there are, well, here's the power of the network that we're seeing right here uh, on the stage, a physical one, uh, perhaps more digital. Karen, you are uh, democratization of, of content, of design. I mean, we, we were, you were talking uh, earlier about how you'd spent 12 minutes or 15 minutes watching a, a particular content creator on TikTok earlier and saying, I mean, before this, I never would have come. What was he doing? He was building. He's varnishing a, a table. No, he was a 21-year-old Irish lad in a small village somewhere, and he basically re-engineers or retools or basically revitalizes like old ancient tools. And I think that video had like 2.5 million views, which is pretty incredible because if you think about the future of craft, how did this 21-year-old even get interested into sort of refinishing axes? And so when I went through his whole channel, it, he's built this whole niche community, which in, is incredible. There was somebody in Canada that shipped him her grandfather's tools to see whether he could do something with them. So it's sort of these sort of moments that I'm so so interested in. You know, I, I think earlier when we, I'm, you know, similar-ish to Tom, but part of the digital age, but I remember downloading TikTok for the first time and seeing all the dancing, and I thought, officially not for me. I am too old for this. And actually it was the National Gallery who is on TikTok and is excellent and you should follow them. They were actually my foray into um, 
TikTok because the art journal had written about how the National Gallery and Rijksmuseum were all on it. And so I thought, this is really interesting. Why is this sort of very institutional legacy, you know, organization on TikTok? And, you know, I just it immediately clicked to me. I was like, ah, it's about access and it's about, you know, opportunity to educate in a way that is skilled. So it's just like, for me, I've been lucky. I've been able to travel around the world to other sort of design fairs, but the average person might not be able to travel. But, you know, through the power of TikTok, they're able to sort of learn and, you know, experience um, the National Portrait Gallery, which I think is like a big part of I work that I think about all the time of what I do at TikTok. And, and, I, and also, if I briefly turn to your work, but just pre pre talk TikTok with I IDS and, and what you were uh, built up uh, uh, there, which was um, creating, collaborating, uh, having your own platform of, of networks for uh, often very underrepresented, uh, certainly uh, not appreciated as they should be, uh, and really empowering different communities. And I know that was a huge part of the work that you you did. I wonder if you could touch on it. Yeah, absolutely. So prior Prior to TikTok, I used to run the design fair in Toronto and uh, Vancouver, which is actually, luckily, I've met Tom several times. I met him for the first time when I started there. And many years later, I invited him back as our international guest of honor. So similar to, you know, London Design Fair, a lot of the work was around, you know, providing a platform for upcoming as well as established designers to have a voice. And when I took over the role as the head of content there, I noticed looking at the history was that we didn't have enough diverse voices in there. And so one of the things that I really, really was mindful and intentional about was like, how can we make sure that design truly is for everyone, not just for very established designers, but people who are not as established. And so I've brought a lot of that work also to TikTok because I'm constantly thinking about creating sort of almost like an ecosystem of like education, awareness, end user, you know, that constant conversation because, you know, why the average person might not be able to afford Tom Dixon piece, but maybe what they can do is buy his accessories, but why would they buy his accessories unless they have some sort of personal connection to him or an understanding on like how his work, you know, all the research and development that he has done. I think you need that con design context to make those kind of decisions. And what you're doing is you think about the end user, the client, the consumer, you're, 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 you're directly connecting them in a way that you know, it, it has not been done so anywhere near as much as in the past. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think during this time of COVID too and TikTok, there's been a rise of all these amazing small businesses. One of the things that we talked about also, like in Canada, we partnered with the National Screen Institute to work on an Indigenous Accelerator Plan. Initially, the idea was to, you know, empower Indigenous creators in Canada to just have a voice and to be able to show up and present themselves in the way that they, is authentic to them. But the sort of like uh, end result of it was that there's been several incredible Indigenous creators who also own small businesses who have, you know, built a platform for themselves. But it's also really incredible because part of it too, if you don't already know, Canada has a very, you know, painful history with indigenous peoples where their voices were not necessarily celebrated. And here on the platform, they've been able to really tell their stories, not just about the, you know, uh, the terrible things that they experience, but then actually to celebrate their culture and to be able to show it from sort of like a first person point of view, which I think is pretty special. You're getting young designers in positions to be able to help affect social change, not just you know, in, in, uh, by using their, their creative power and the, the power of the networks that we're, uh, and platforms that we talk about here. If I could just turn briefly to, to, to Eamon. 
Um, this is something that you do uh, all the time now in, in, as, a, as a lecturer. And I guess the question to you is, how do you get these young designers in positions to start affecting social change. I, it's really interesting because I, you know, I look at platforms like Instagram and TikTok and I see very different groups of, of young people using them and to me there's like an esoteric nature to TikTok that allows like this breadth of design skill that maybe wouldn't be championed in the same way on Instagram. So that's kind of why I, I find it a really powerful platform for democratization. Um, to touch on another note that uh, you talked about, I actually also work for an indigenous company and uh, a lot of the work that I do, especially now, is to do with um, kind of cultural outreach. And I, I started a nonprofit a few, about a year ago now, that deals with indigenous artists. And we've been able to really kind of expand the, the vision that these artists are able to kind of project because of technology like TikTok. So, you know, in the past, there might have been, you know, artist residency programs that were really powerful and you're able to help an incredible roster of artists, but it wasn't necessarily going to go beyond a specific kind of niche. And now you're able to actually get people on these platforms. And like um, Karen said, you know, you have this person in an Irish village who's able to kind of, you know, expand on something that most people would find, you know, incredibly uninteresting on first glance uh, and make it something really powerful and democratic. Um, uh, Tom, we're, we're, we're talking about the, the digital networks. I, I wonder what your your view, and I'll, I'll come back to what um, some of you were saying in a second, but your view then of the, the power of the physical network and the physical experience and physical space still in this, you know, changing context of where we are. Um, well, I think you can combine them, you know, I mean, th this is the, the modern world. I mean, you know, we, we were actually initially going to talk about craft and and then, you know, the distinction between craft and, and technology. But, you know, I, I see a craft in people that are amazing at, at, at building um, digital, you know, programs. And that's a craft in itself, the, the amount of knowledge and, and, and hours that you need to, to produce something which is well um, crafted in the digital world that's equivalent, right? Um, but, you know, from, from I think you, you, the combination, you know, an example I like to use is, um, you know, projects I... And I've tried, we were talking about democracy, right? And, you know, okay, so I sell expensive stuff, but I've, sell, I've sold more expensive stuff with Italian companies and less expensive stuff with um, IKEA, for instance, you know, working with them on, on projects. But you know, I tried doing what Google did, for instance, by giving away my stuff for free, but getting it paid for by advertising. So you can mimic some of the um, actions that happen in the digital world, in the physical world as well. So uh, I, I get to Trafalgar Square, I give away a thousand chairs to um, to my adoring public, the uh, mainly people that can't afford to buy my chairs, um, by getting it sponsored by. Um, and so it's the same as Formula One or Google, you know, giving away their core their core activity, but getting it paid for by advertising. But then immediately these people don't take these chairs home; they put them on eBay no, them, and start yeah. selling them. And so I reach four hundred four hundred pounds on eBay, and I'm thinking, oh my god, I could have made four hundred thousand pounds yeah. <laughs> just giving away <laughs> this stuff for free, which is you know the problem for journalists and for anybody that's creating Me. content which is consumed by by so many people and not paid for. You know, so you know I, I think mimicking was a good idea, um, but I ended up in exactly the same place as a lot of young young creators or journalists or photographers right now, not being paid for my my uh, great idea. No, no, I, I, unlike I, Google. I believe that comment hang in the air, but I will. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of question about money and who's making it and how. And Aim and I, I want to ask 
uh, ask you about this, but but Tom, I, as I, we have two two minutes left, of you just if it, a last question about your yeah your practice and your your design and how much you are uh, rather than the kind of TikTok end of things, but how much you are moving what you're designing and how you're seeing the world in the digital space yourself. I mean, we, we've been digital for a long time, but I mean, you know, it's, it's the, the you know swinging between the, the the two worlds. You know, obviously, you know, from a marketing point of view, um, it's the only way. You know, even websites are dead now in, in terms of a way of, of reaching people. So, you know, you have to be digital. You have to be. You know, the the, the commerce is moving rapidly to e-commerce in terms of not just how people, um, you know, uh, behave in terms of how they find you, but also how it's delivered and all the rest of it. And those networks of delivery have been kind of intensely useful to us. But, you know, again, we, we, we give away, um, you know, most of our money to the internet platforms that now do this thing called drop shipping. So they don't hold stock anymore like the antique retailers. Um, they order when they get their order and expect you to be the warehouse. Um, and, and this is, uh, you know, and you, and you pay also... Um, to compete against yourself on Google search, right? So, so you're in competition with your best clients, um, with your own, your own methods of selling, and, and you end up in this ridiculous kind of uh, auction of your own uh, search words with your best clients. And so it becomes very tricky to, to, um, you know, to, to, to do any commerce at all, in a way, um, if, if you're... Uh, in a conventional business, also trying to attack the, the, the digital sphere on an equal footing. And I think it's, um, you know, if you try and transfer to, to being a, a good digital company, you've kind of started off wrong, in a way. So it's really difficult to transition if you don't start off, you know, digital only. I think it's easier for digital companies to become a bit physical. physical. Rather yeah. than the other way around. Yeah. Um, Eamon, can I get your thoughts on that? I mean, just going back to what Tom said, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree, but you were talking about you know, giving away these chairs and then them showing up on eBay or other sites. And like, to me, I, I, I understand why that would be frustrating, but I'm, what's more egalitarian than that? Right? These people are using what you've given them to, to empower themselves in a different kind of way. Like, I understand you know, whenever you give away some of your creative self, it's... it's it's difficult. It can definitely be very difficult. And, you know, on the, on the lower end, or not the lower end, but on the ground level, when you have students and you have young creatives, they're constantly giving away their ideas. And, you know, they're not paid. So if they're able to actually use something that Tom Dixon made and use that name to actually empower themselves in a certain kind of way, I'm all for it. You know, monetize, monetize, monetize. Yeah. Everyone else does it. You should too. Uh, that's certainly a philosophy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Karen, I wondered if you uh, had any uh, a perspectives of what we what we've um, just talked about. But then I, 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 I was talking to you to you earlier about um, the 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 you know the power of the collaborations that you that you use and I, a couple of things you mentioned to me earlier that I think would be very helpful. Oh, and Sahar has a question. Question. Even uh, I have I seem to have two microphones the entire time. So. No, no, I'm using my um, digital platform to call an Uber, so I can just... Oh, like, or you can just zoom in. <laughs> Tom is speaking on, like, 500 panels tonight, so thanks, Tom, for being here. Really lucky. Um, I have a question on craft, and I know we kind of touched on it a little bit. So, Eamon, from, uh, you've worked with LVMH. 
uh, very closely on sustainability, craft, and digital. Karen, you're working with indigenous creators. And Tom, of course, you work in design. I'm really curious about how you see craft evolving um, with this kind of, it's not a shift, but how, how it connects to technology and if you see it um, as, as something that's going to evolve in a way that's different, um, if these platforms will affect how craft changes or if it's just for storytelling and, and disseminating. No, it's, complete, it's completely changed. I mean, you know, the, 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 the way, the, the story that you described of the, of the Irish lad is, is just universal now. I mean, the problem that you've got is not so much um, that working. The, the problem is how do you um, compete with millions of people um, that are all using the same platforms and find yourself a unique voice um, which allows you to stick out from all of the other people that are also doing the same and trying to access um, those international markets. And that's getting harder and harder to do, um, partly because the algorithms are against you and partly because my Ubers come. I'm going <laughs> <laughs> to vanish and leave that to, to you, Karen, because you know not about it as well. So you're going to have to excuse me. Enjoy I'm, the next it's panel, your Tom. Fault Thanks. Because you overran in the last one. Thank you very I much. Uh, Karen, that was neatly set up for you. Well, I think, you know, to Tom's point, it all kind of goes hand in hand. I do think, you know, we have all seen the power of, like, TikTok made me buy it, right? Like, I have never bought more, like, beauty products or, like, small business products in this in my entire life because I've been influenced by, you know, the algorithm knows me quite well. But I think part of it is also... I am really interested, and I do see it a lot also, is that people really want to feel some sort of like human-centric or personal connection to what they're purchasing, and it has to sort of like be the same as their own personal values as well. And so when like brands or creators are really leaning into being authentic on platform, those are the ones that really do quite well. You know, like you see it all the time, maybe like within the beauty industry where people are like, oh, I'm diverse, but are you truly diverse? Whereas the brands like Fenty who are really, really diverse, and you see them sort of like live through that, not just in their physical products, but in like the virtual space where they not just show like, you know, one subset of like faces, but many faces, many skin types, you're more drawn to those types of, you know, brands or, you know. So I, I do think it all sort of sits together. And too bad Tom left because I have lots of ideas of what he should be doing. But, you know, for me, like how his space is, he his spaces and installations are incredible. And then again, it's like part of the access, right? Because he, every designer and every creator has a unique story to tell. And I do feel that like, if you are leaning into that authentic storytelling, my sort of like favorite thing to say is like, if you are someone who loves Louis Vuitton jigsaw puzzles and knitting, somehow, somewhere, the algorithm will connect you with 30 people who like the exact same thing. And so it's about creating communities, essentially. Uh uh, Amen. And then I, I wondered if you, uh, to Tahir's point, because we, we talked about this earlier about craft and making, and who is a maker now? Uh, you know, the, fu the future of craft. I wondered if you could just say a few words uh, about that with your kind of IDS, uh, you know, former hat on. Um, yeah, I mean, like the future of craft. Really, a lot of things that I think about a lot, even in my previous role, was just that, you know, more and more we're not really rewarding young people to do craft and we have to really find a way to connect that, this commerce and like craft together. 
you were talking earlier about, like in the city of Toronto, last year we have 270 cranes in the downtown core, and everyone's like, oh, that's progress. But sort of the outcome of that progress is that all these incredible woodworkers who used to live and work out of the city have now been forced to, like, go away. And so part of it is because it's unaffordable for them to be there. And so it's just like, how can they somehow create a living for themselves, right? And part of it is like using a platform where they can maybe build an international, you know, Tom in some ways, you know, he's very established now, so he shows up at all of the design fairs. Like the average person in London or Toronto who's an up-and-coming emerging designer creator might not have access to an international market, but through a platform like TikTok or Instagram, they do. They do. Uh, sorry, both those points. Well, I would just say, unfortunately, Tom left. I, I would, I would like to say to both of you, if you want a cool young person to take over Tom's TikTok, I have ten million to give you, and they and they'll all do a spectacular job. Um, it, when it comes, when it comes to craft and technology, I mean, I think that's the kind of question that keeps me up at night and, and drives a lot of what I do, um, on in in any kind of field. So at the university, I I really try, and this is kind of insufferable, but I really try to get people to redefine craft. And that includes technology. And you know, Tom was talking about it is a craft to learn how to use a program well and how to make it, you know, compatible with what other people already see as craft. And if a young person can do that, then they're going to be in a golden position when it comes to us moving forward with authenticity. One of the greatest things that, and one of the, the things that I love the most about working with students is that you know, nine out of ten of them don't know how to be unauthentic. So everything you're getting from them is authenticity, and it comes through. And so it, not, it might not be the greatest work when they first kind of conceptualize it, but at the end, it's going to be real. And that's what advertisers, that's what companies want. And if I can help those people connect and, and actually, you know, like I said before, monetize their work in a way that's really healthy and authentic, then I think I've done a good job. And Karen, TikTok helps a lot. It really does, yeah. I think I need to get on this TikTok here. How many people so are on TikTok Yeah, exactly. Here? As creators or as viewers? As creators of content? How many are creating content on TikTok? One, now, yeah? Now everyone's embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one wants to see me do uh, uh, make tools or whatever, or Irish lad, as it were. That was, uh, 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 sorry, how many people use TikTok just to, to scroll and spend time... How many people buy stuff, buy stuff that they've seen off TikTok? And Instagram, I suppose TikTok, buy stuff. I need to put my hand up. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Put my hand up and both my legs up for do I buy stuff on Instagram? Um, <laughs> the answer is, unfortunately, for my bank balance, yes. Uh, having democratized this uh, moderating job to people, um, so hair's now telling me I've got to finish. <laughs> I was going to ask if anyone had any more things to say. Can I, can I, if, has anyone got a burning question they want to ask from the floor? If not, please talk to our panellists after. And I will use the time then to ask for some closing thoughts from both Karen and from Eamon. And by all we say more things that Tom should listen that we will then send him after. Hire young talent. Hire young talent. Well, I was going to say be on TikTok, but obviously be authentic <laughs> on TikTok. Be authentic on TikTok, hire more talent, help us hire young talent. Hire young talent. But also I think like if you are a creative person and you're hesitant, like just go out there. You'd be very surprised to see that it could be someone who just really understands and connects with like who you are and what you do, right? Yeah. 
these are big networks. You don't know what connections and creative uh, you know, synergies you're going to have until you try it, right? So give it a go. Is that the right? I think that's the right phrase. And thank you so much to Tom and to Karen and to Eamon for a really fascinating 35 minutes. <laughs>